You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Now, in the lobby, we have 975 of these ready for you (laughs) on your way out. (laughs) The truth of the matter is, I wear something like this far more than I'm willing to admit. In 1979, Reverend Bernard Pagano was wrongly accused of being the gentleman bandit. You might remember this. It made national news in 1979. They claimed that he robbed seven to nine convenience stores, but he was very polite and very, very nice. And sometimes he, handed, he handcuffed people, but then he would call the police to say, they're handcuffed, make sure they get out soon. Well, they caught him, and they, they put him in a lineup, and they had about seven people that said, yep, that's the man. And so when this hit the national airwaves, um, people just went berserk. Ah, oh, these Christians, and all oh, he's a priest, but he's no good. And, and they just threw all kind of junk at him. And, and they took him to trial, and the trial was going on when finally a man named Clouser, I can't think of his first name now, thought, I, I can't let him take the rap for this. And he turned himself in. He was the gentleman bandit. And the priest was able to go free, but not after, but, but after all of the venom and everything that was said about him and about Christians. We talk a lot and we label people quickly. And Jesus has something to say about it. Here's another one of the hard teachings of Jesus. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Then he says, give and it will be given to you. Now, often we use this passage as it relates to money and I suppose it can, but he's talking about, he's talking about giving mercy here. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, it will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, the measure of non-judgment, non-condemnation, forgiveness, mercy, whatever that measure is, that's the measure you will receive. So, if you don't want to be judged, we don't go around judging others. If you don't want to be condemned, (laughs) we don't go around condemning others if you need forgiveness. 
find a way to give it. Jesus, ask us how we want to be treated. And he says, I want you to treat others the same way. The default for Christians is this mercy, non-judgment, non-condemnation, and forgiveness. Now, is this to say that we can't speak to issues of right and wrong in our culture? No, 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 that's not saying that at all. There's a way to do that. And there are times it's necessary. But it doesn't look at all like personal attacks. We don't judge people's failures. Look what it says in Romans 2. You therefore have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience? Not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead people to repentance. He says, it's not, us to, it's not ours to judge, but often we do. We rush in and we condemn and we judge and we point fingers. And in so doing, we are acting in contempt to God who has taken an entirely different tact. His tact is patience and kindness. Never forget, it is his kindness that has brought us to repentance. It's not ours to judge. And we don't judge disputable matters. And I'll tell you what, this is where we're living right now. This is, this is where the rubber meets the road right now in pandemic United States of America. Scripture says in Romans 14, except one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters, vaccines or not, masks or not, One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. Paul is talking here about meat that has been previously offered to idols. There were some Christians who believed we can't eat that. That meat was dedicated to, to godless idols. There are other Christians at that time who thought, well, we can buy that meat cheaper than, than that in the market. And so we've got more of God's money to use for other things. And so there were some who thought it was an abominable sin to eat this meat. And we thought, we, we had others who thought it's the best course of action to eat this meat. And Paul here is saying, it's not yours to judge. It's not yours 
to condemn. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. You know, there are a lot of disputable matters that we judge on. And I think it grieves the heart of God. For God has accepted both cases. And then he asked this question, who are you to judge someone else's servant? I remember when that was said of me in our first church, I, uh, I resigned to take another church and had a very godly man. In fact, he was then a mentor. He still was a mentor to me. I talked to him this week on the telephone and he was very upset with me. He was very upset with me. And he judged me for about three weeks. And then he came to me in brokenness. And he said, I, I have to ask your forgiveness. He said, the Lord told me, who am I to judge somebody else's servant? You're his servant and you're following him. And I'll trust that. That was that was wonderful. You and I are not to judge the servants of the Most High God on disputable matters. And then um, we don't judge people's motives because their motives are impossible to discern. Here's what scripture says, 1 Corinthians 4. Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. Let him do it. It's not for us to judge and condemn and to hold with unforgiveness. And then lastly, we're not to judge unbelievers. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, what business, business is it of mine to judge those outside of the church? You're to judge those inside. God will judge those outside. But I'll tell you, we do a pretty good job of judging people. And it's offensive to God. We are to judge. Here's a few things. <laughs> We're to judge ourselves. You know, I said a couple weeks ago in a message, I was talking to marriages, but it applies elsewhere. There's only one person in the world you and I can change. I can't change you and you can't change me, but I, with God's help, can change me. And if I look very hard at myself, I see all kinds of things that need changed. We're to judge ourselves. We're to judge sin in the church. I had scripture for this, but I recognize we have children in the room. 
And in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about somebody who's doing some pretty God, God, ungodly things. And I, I couldn't use it, the scripture, but I think you know what I'm talking about. And we're to, we're to deal with sin in our midst for the good of that person and the good of the church. And we're to judge teachers as to whether they're false teachers or godly teachers. Here's what I'm getting at. If we're not careful, we can become people with a critical spirit. A critical spirit who thinks our job is to inspect and label everything. What's a critical spirit? A critical spirit is obsessive. It's an obsessive attitude of criticism and fault finding. Ultimately, it seeks to tear others down. It's not the same thing as constructive criticism. The only criticism that is ever constructive is that which is expressed in love to build the other person up, not to tear them down. And constructive criticism always takes place face to face. I've told our staff here for years, if somebody sends you a pointed email bringing a criticism, you're not to answer that. You're not to fire back and say, well, yeah, but the reason I did that was your only response is, thank you so much for writing. Sounds like we need to get together for a cup of coffee. When would you like to do that? And you meet face to face. We don't hold arguments over email. We don't hold arguments over text. We don't hold arguments on Facebook, although many have tried. You know, it's possible to be absolutely right and wrong at the same time. We can be raising a valid point, but the way in which we do it is so wrong, it's all wrong. Someone will say, well, I'm just speaking the truth as if truth is the highest virtue. Well, that's not what the Bible says at all. The Bible says love. Love is the highest virtue. Jesus said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Well, I'm just speaking the truth. Well, but does it need to be spoken? And does it need to be spoken to this person, this person, this person, instead of the person you're talking about? Anytime you speak criticism or judgment or condemnation to the person other than the one you're dealing with, it's, it, it's called gossip. If I'm bringing some kind of complaint or judgment to someone who can't affect a change at all, all they do is listen. I'm not after a change. I'm after a vent. In coffee shops all across America, 
there are, there are, there are groups of five to seven, mostly men, mostly retired men who gather on mornings and solve all the world's problems. <laughs> and they bring criticism of this president or that president, this congressman or that congressman, this mayor, this problem, that problem, and they've got it all solved. The problem is nobody's listening to them. And they're polluting their own hearts. If you're not talking to the person who can affect a change, then that's called gossip. And it tears down the person listening and it tears you down also. Truth is not the highest virtue. Love is the highest virtue in the kingdom. Continuing with this scripture. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the pit? Try following this guy. The student is not above the teacher. But everyone who is fully trained will be like that teacher. So, if there's somebody around you that does the things we just talked about, wisdom says you don't follow them very far. So he says this comical piece, and it's comical, but it's awfully serious too. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. Sometimes people find fault because they can put people on the defensive and they don't have to answer anyone. And there are some people very skilled at it. They're trying to extract little specks of sawdust and they can't even see through their own plank. How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And so this takes us back to the opening Verses in this section of scripture. Jesus is talking about loving our enemies. He says, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Do to others as, as you would have them do to you. So if we don't want to be judged, we don't go around judging. If we don't want to be condemned, we don't go around condemning. If we want forgiveness, we extend forgiveness. Now, there are times 
when we're called to speak to issues. I've done that in this sermon series. If you've been with us, you've heard me. Where we speak about issues, but not the individuals. Jesus said, we're the salt of the earth. And if the salt loses its savor, what's it good for? It's thrown underfoot. We have something to say, but not in pointing out individuals, not in being judgmental and critical, but being loving and yet holding the standard. Now, this is how Jesus loved us. And this is the way our Savior went to the cross. He went to the cross loving all the way to the end. And he laid down his life. Not having retaliated, not having judged, not having hurled unforgiveness and condemnation. He laid down his life without retaliation without malice because he knew this and we need to know this the strongest force in the universe is love period is love and he's called us to live that way that's not our nature It's not a human nature at all. It is our nature to judge, our nature to condemn, our nature to withhold forgiveness. It's our nature to talk about others with an air air of superiority. But when we came to Jesus, we surrendered our lives to him. And we are no longer bound by our former human nature. We have a higher calling. And we're to love our enemies. And we're to do good to those who hate us. And we're to bless those who curse us. We're to pray for those who mistreat us because we would treat them as we wish to be treated. Would you bow your heads with me? I wonder if some of you might like to pray. I wonder if maybe the Holy Spirit has whispered to you about anything in your life that might be judgmentalism or condemnation or unforgiveness. I wonder if you take a moment and pray about that. Father, I pray that you will help us to be overcomers, to not fall into the trap 
of loving as the world loves. Some of the verses we didn't read in this passage are, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. Help us not love that way, Lord. Help us to love. Help us to leave judgment and condemnation up to you. Father, as we dismiss in a few moments, if there are some individuals here that do not know you, have never given their lives to you, I pray they'll stick around and give us a chance to pray with them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you have a stand with me? Kids, it's been great to have you. Somebody once said, uh, we see things perfectly as children and then spend the rest of our lives trying to remember what we saw. (laughs) There may be some truth there. Father, I pray your blessing on these I love and you love so much more. Would you dismiss them? In your great love, would they know they are the apple of your eye? Would you cause us to interact with the people around us as you have interacted with us this week? Bless them, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, friends. We'll see you. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com.